it's time to go behind the curtain of the director role and have honest discussions with leaders in the campus recreation industry. In this episode, host Grady Sheffield, the director of campus recreation at Towson University and the senior advisor to Campus Rec Magazine, gives you, the listener, real and authentic conversation between himself and special guest, Steve Thompson, the director of campus recreation at the University of Montana. Thompson is an outdoors guy at heart. With a plethora of experience guiding trips and outdoor jobs, he eventually found himself in Texas, pursuing a career in campus recreation at Sam Houston State University. He gained experience, took trips around the world, and realized the outdoor gig just didn't fit with having a two-year-old at home. Transitioning from outdoors programming to an associate director role proved challenging. As such, he looked for other opportunities and ended up at the University of Montana. Having been there since, he shares what Montana has to offer, how his previous experiences outside of Campus Rec have made him a better leader, and what he loves most about his job. Plus, he gives advice to other directors in the field. Enjoy the conversation between Sheffield and Thompson. Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to the Director Download. As usual, I'm your host, Grady Sheffield, serving as the Director of Campus Recreation at Towson University. And today I'm excited to have Steve Thompson, Director of Campus Recreation from the University of Montana. What's up, Steve? All good here, man. All good. What's up back east? Well, it, we are, I'm living the dream. Always living the dream. That's are we what, all? That's what I, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I want to I want to start this out by just pointing out the obvious. Um, you're at the University of Montana, and I got to tell you, as a fan of the show Yellowstone, I am. I have visions of what life must be like for you in Montana, and I got to say, I'm probably very jealous, and I would imagine that some of our listeners are too. Um, so tell me this. I mean, at the very least, you're probably an outdoorsman or at least have an outdoor background and are taking full advantage of that in your location. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. In fact, my entire background in recreation is almost exclusively outdoors. Okay. So tell so, me about that. Well, um, I went to call. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, okay. So I grew so a little up, East Coast. Little East, East Coast, but in the foothills of the Appalachians. Okay. And um, so, you know, I was a scout as a kid and did some backpacking and canoeing and all the kind of stuff that you normally do as a scout. And I went to college at a little um, university, a state university called Edinburgh, which is up south of Erie. And Edinburgh had, um, I don't, I wouldn't call it a traditional kind of what you would term a campus recreation program today. It was an outdoor program that was formed in the early 1970s and a very small intramural program that went along with it. And I got involved with that outdoor program and just fell in love with it. I mean, really did. I mean, we would take kids rafting and, and whitewater rafting and uh, rock climbing for a weekend, um, give them everything that they needed, all their instruction, equipment, all that kind of stuff for 10 bucks. And we take 45 of them mm. you know, up the river and climbing. It was awesome. The good old days. Yeah, the good old days. In 15 passenger vans, you know, which yeah. you can't use anymore. Can't do that anymore, yeah. <laughs> So I did, I did that um, for my undergrad. And then uh, it was 90, 91 is when I finished. So um, I was looking for work and I didn't really even know what I was going to do. My degrees are in communication and history. And so um, 
I was offered a chance to go back as a grad assistant in the outdoor program. So I did that for two years. How'd that come about? How'd the offer, like, because your story right there of not knowing what you're going to do oh, yeah. resonates I mean, I started, with all of us, right? Yeah. I mean, I started out as a biology major and then switched to physics and realized that math is hard. And, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, decided that, all right, let's, let's look a little more liberal arts. So I did communications, you know, did radio shows and stuff like that. And, um, and just liked history. So I got into history as well. So I didn't know what I was going to do with that. And in 1991, we were kind of in a bit of a recession. So I was talking to my boss at the time, a guy named Steve Hazelwood. Um, you know, he said, well, I have an opening for a grad assistantship. Why don't you come back and do that? And you can kind of sort your life out. So I got a master's degree in communications, um, kind of with a focus in rhetoric and semantics. I know, super marketable. Um, <laughs> but while I was doing that, um, you know, I'm all this time I'm guiding trips and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm working at summer camps in the summertime. And I have like one of those kind of awakening moments that you hear about. I'm kayaking down Slippery Rock Creek in, um, I think it was the fall of 1993 or something. It's a beautiful early October day, you know, golden leaves are coming down in the sunlight. And I'm thinking like, this is what I want to do. Mm. How can I do this all the time and and make money for it? And get paid for it, right? Yeah. So um, left college, worked at camps kind of all over the place, um, including one for Indiana University, which I know you're an undergrad. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah up in Wisconsin. Did that for a while. Uh, I got a job in New Mexico running wilderness trips out there. So I would do that in the wintertime for a, pri a private boarding school and then travel to back to Pittsburgh to see my parents for a couple of weeks and then go to Wisconsin in the summertime to work at that camp and then kind of do the reverse at the end. So I spent a lot of time chasing road. And I did that until um, 1997 when I basically just, I couldn't live on $14,000 a year anymore. You know, sleeping in the back of my truck, that kind of thing. Even though it was the 90s and Even that was expected, was 90s, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, that whole dirtbag lifestyle was was getting kind of old in my upper 20s. So I moved back to, um, to Pittsburgh and I got a job with the Boy Scouts. Um, they had a, a new program they were starting called Venturing, which was a high adventure program for co-eds from 14 to 21. And um, I started doing that and they were they were great. I mean, they sent me kind of all over the country, including back to New Mexico a couple of times um, to kind of take trainings in the program and, and learn how to market the program, learn how to raise money for the program, all skills, which, you know, you can utilize later in life. They gave me five weeks off to go to Nepal. Um, Wait, how old are you? That was for my 30th birthday. So um, okay. that was 1999. So I spent um, April of uh, like some of March and most of April climbing and trekking in Nepal. And they were cool with that. And I thought that was awesome. That's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it was it was a cool deal. So um, but eventually, you know, I just got tired of living in the city and kind of hustling to raise money and get awareness out for a program that was brand new. And um, a guy, Ben, who I actually met at a camp that I worked at probably 10 years earlier, and I, who I worked with in Wisconsin, had just been made camp director at this place just outside of Harrisonburg, Virginia, um, in the Shenandoah Valley, and asked me if I wanted to come down and run the Outdoor Learning Center that was associated with it and and do the the camps in the summertime. So I did that and it was it was great. I mean, Shenandoah is just a fantastic place. And while I was there, um, I met 
kind of the folks at JMU and mm. it seems like all roads go through Harrisonburg, doesn't it? Yes, they did. Well, careful um, now. Like they know that, but we don't like to say that very often. But yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I met Eric Nickel and Steve Bobbitt uh and those guys, and I, I suddenly learned that like, oh, you know, campus rec is a, a thing, like beyond like just an outdoor program or something like that at the university. Because this whole time, I'm in my early 30s, mid-30s at this point almost. I had no idea that there was a NURSA, no idea that there was an AOR, no idea that like, you know, they had programs like, you know, club sports or anything like that. I mean, zero. So um, while I was in Harrisonburg, I met my wife um, and um, we got married and we had our daughter and um, well, we got, she got pregnant with our daughter. And at this time I'm living in like a 500 square foot cabin on the side of Massanutten Mountain. And uh you That's the life, to, right? Which, which is great for me and my dog. But when you add, you know, your wife to it, <laughs> the future of your daughter, like you, you need to start like looking for a slightly larger spot. So um, I look, we were looking around in the Shenandoah Valley and it was just too expensive. And uh, so I had gone to Texas a number of times uh, for mm -hmm. see music at South by Southwest and kind of saw that it was pretty affordable and pretty nice in and around Austin and stuff like that. So I started applying for jobs in Austin, mostly municipal rec jobs. Unsurprisingly, didn't get any of them because I had no experience in that. And um, somehow, I don't know, on the internet, I stumbled across Bluefish. I don't even know how that happened. Um, so I saw that Sam Houston State was looking for an assistant director for outdoors. So I applied for it. Uh, my daughter was born on a Thursday. On Sunday, I flew out to Houston to go up and meet with the crew there and interview for that job. How'd your wife feel about that? Uh, we still talk about that. I mean, you think about the stressful things that happen in your life, you know, getting married, moving, having a kid, taking a new job. We did all of them in like eight months, 10 oh. months, something like that. I mean, it was bonkers. So I got the job and started at Sam Houston as their assistant director for outdoors uh, in 2006, in January 2006. And that's when I finally heard of, you know, NURSA and AOR and all those kind of things. So my first NURSA was um, Louisville. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I did the next kind of few of those up until probably 2012. Um, just going to both of those. I served on the board for AOR for a while, was president of AOR for a while. Um, Sam was a, it's in a unique position. Um, you know, I'd never lived in Texas before and kind of I thought Texas was a lot like Austin, kind of more arid and hilly and stuff like that. This was very much kind of the piney woods of Texas. Mm -hmm. So it was weird kind of adjusting to life down there like that um, and programming in an outdoor fashion like that. I mean, it was just instead of having mountains and whitewater and things like that, you know, you had to really kind of focus your attention on well, we're going to go canoeing or we're going to go um, to the beach and we'll do surfing and deep sea fishing trips or, you know, and everything involved fairly long drives, um, mm -hmm. you know, 14 hours to go skiing in New Mexico. It's pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we would go climbing at Waco Tanks, which is in West Texas. And there were people that had driven in from San Diego who had shorter drives than us. And we never. Oh, left. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Um, I got to go to Africa as part of that job. That was pretty cool. Um, so we did a partnership with the biology department over there and they had a paleontologist who was doing some, uh, 
excavations looking for fossils. And they came to me and asked me if I wanted to, you know, be part of the team and basically run the base camp, provide all the wilderness medical stuff, and then do all the vertical rope work into the cave. So in 2008, we did that. Uh, and that was pretty amazing. It was a two-year deal. I did the first year. My grad assistant, Megan, did the second year. Uh, but that year, I mean... So hang on. Time out. Yeah. So I'm just sitting here listening to you. I mean, what a life you <laughs> have lived up until this point from, you know, a tiny school in Edinburgh, Edinburgh right? Edinburgh, yeah. Edinburgh University. Where you're involved in a rec program, but it, you're not introduced to anything related, like you said, NURSA or anything like that. You've gone out, you've traveled the world already, and now you're working as an assistant director in the outdoor program in Texas. You're still getting to travel. Now you're an archaeologist doing a dig. Let me let me be clear, okay? I am not a, a, an archaeologist or a paleontologist. I I audited a class, so I at least knew somewhat of what I okay. was doing. I didn't I didn't want to just go and be a belay monster, right? Yeah. Um. So we did that. That was hard work, though. And I came back, and that year, two thousand eight, I was, I mean, I was in the field or at conferences, one hundred and eight days. Mm. And that's tough when you have a two year old and a wife, you know, and yeah. you live in an area of the country where you you didn't know anybody there. Like I knew not a soul in Texas before I moved there. And um, so I realized like the outdoor gig was was going to have to wind it up somehow. So I talked to my director about this and um, to his credit, you know, recognized that there was some leadership ability in me. And when our current um, our current associate director for programs and uh, assessment took another job, um, I interviewed for that and was awarded an interim position and then became basically an associate. associate. Yeah. So, so that transition going from the outdoors, the programmatic aspect, being getting dirty, right? And then sitting, I associate the associate directors with, you know, you're behind the desk and you're leading the team. So what was that transition like for you? Oh, man. Um, that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And it, it about broke me. Was and, it because you had to wear a tie? No, I'm just no, kidding. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't rolling into work in my chacos, shorts and stuff like that, <laughs> you know, t-shirt anymore, but you do an, a thing, you know, and you do it for as long as I did and you, it becomes part of you. It's your identity. Yeah. So I always saw myself as being an outdoor person. And even living in Texas, where there wasn't a whole lot of things that I associated with the outdoors, um, as a as a the director of the outdoor program there, I could still go out and do them. As an associate, that was kind of taken away. And you know, you have to kind of almost reinvent yourself. And I struggled with that mm. mightily. In what you know, ways? And you think about it too, as, as an assistant director, you have basically you are overseeing your program, right? Right. You are directly interacting with students. You are deciding what the program is. As an associate, you're kind of taking the vision of your director and then disseminating it out amongst 
all your assistant directors, right? And then collecting data and analyzing that data and helping the director make informed decisions about stuff like that. And, um, you know, it was just hard. It was just, yeah. it was a hard thing to do. Um, I didn't know anything about fitness or club sports. I mean, I played some intramurals in college, but so I had to learn all that. That learning curve was was pretty steep. Um, you know, we had this thing called Bearcat Camp, which um, we started kind of when I was on my tail end of um, of uh, being an assistant director down there. I became an associate director in 2010. And um, this was one of these pre kind of orientation programs where students come in mm -hmm. and spend four days, three nights, mm -hmm. get to know each other and learn the traditions of the, of the university and that kind of stuff. So that was one of the things that kind of really clung to and, and held on to. But man, I started a doc program while I was there. I mean, I did anything I could to try and take my mind and busy myself off of like the fact that I wasn't working in the outdoors anymore. And it just, it got the better of me. So I ended up started looking for work. And uh, in 2013, I saw that, you know, they were looking for a director up here at the University of Montana. And I think they saw my outdoor background and my experience in AOR and um, decided that they were going to give me a shot. And so I've been here since. Here you are. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go back to what you said about being an associate director and how it was, how it was hard. I, from my own experience, I agree with you. I think my time and I think others can relate of being an associate director. I think some, in some ways is harder than being a director. I would 100% agree. So for, tell me more about that. What obviously having to, you know, oversee programs that you didn't have experience with, but what about in terms of made it hard for your, um, the supervision in terms of relationships or being the in-between the director and the others, anything like that? Is there it something was, that stands out for you? I mean, it wasn't, you know, the people that ran the programs that I was overseeing, they knew what they were doing. Right. It wasn't, you know, it's just that those programs weren't mine. Mm. You know, I didn't have the direct kind of oversight, like this is what we're going to do this year for our trips, or I want, you know, run these programs for fitness, or, you know, the, the club sports team should be in these tournaments or whatever it was, right? It's just that there was, you're kind of in this, this middle ground, you know, this bardo of, of um, you know, not being a director. So you have your over, you have oversight of the entire department and not being an assistant director where you have the oversight of your piece of the, your unit of the pie. You're kind of in this, this interworld, you know, where you're taking direction from above and giving it to below and receiving it from below and giving it to above. And right. that's, um, I mean, it takes a, it takes a, a person with patience and um, the ability to kind of relay information to folks to, to understand it. And uh, I mean, I learned a lot in, in a hurry about a lot of things and, uh, but it's just, you know, it's just different for, you know, a personality like mine that was always kind of like, I want to oversee this. I want to have this direct kind of contact with it, especially when you're overseeing an outdoor program. That's no longer yours. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything that stands out for you of when you say you learned a lot? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I learned a lot about just the the nuts and bolts of running an intramural program or a mm. club sport program or a fitness program, those kind of things, and especially about assessment. 
Mm -hmm. How to collect it, how to how often to do it, you know, what to do with it, how to how to turn it into narrative, you know, so it's not just handing you're not just handing somebody a big thing of, you know, quantitative data or something like numbers, that. yeah. You know, making it making it make sense to folks outside of the department so that when we go before the student government or whomever and we yeah. request money, we can show and demonstrate impact. Yeah, and tell your story. Yeah. So yeah. So let's talk about Montana for a minute. Um, describe it. How big is the school? Where is it located exactly? The University of Montana is in Missoula, Montana, which is in the west central part of Montana. Um, the school is a flagship R1 institution. Um, it's got somewhere between 10 and 12,000 students, which frankly, I love. Um, it's an R1 flagship, but it feels kind of like a private school. Mm. Uh, it's not super big. Um, it's a beautiful location. I, I mean, I'm sitting here at my desk. I'm looking kind of over the stadium at Hellgate Canyon. I've got Mount Sentinel on my right. I've got Mount Jumbo on my left. You know, the Rattlesnake Wilderness is directly north of us here. There's a river, Clark Fork. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing on the podcast like people can see this. <laughs> um, you're you know, you're doing well. 150 yards from where I'm sitting right now. I mean, it's just, it's a fantastic location. So yeah, really, so the jealousy, the jealousy that I'm spoke of is is there if it wasn't yeah. before, for sure. Well, so, you, know, uh, you have my number. So anytime yeah, you want to come I'm, out and pay a visit. So hey, I'm gonna take you up on that for sure. So tell us about your department. Describe the rec department there. What's the rec center like? What's the what's the dynamic like in terms of interaction on campus? What are some of the things that you guys are doing that stand out for you? Uh, so overview of the department, obviously I'm sitting now in the fitness and rec center, um, which is our, you know, roughly 90,000 square foot fitness facility. So it, it houses, um, obviously weight room courts, you know, basketball, racquetball, those kind of things, locker rooms, saunas, um, a 54 foot climbing wall, uh, our fitness programs are based out of here. So all our group X and personal training, our intramural programs are based out of here. Our, our summer youth camps are based out of here. Um, so we run 10 weeks of day camps in the summertime, um, utilizing our facility and the surrounding areas here. Our outdoor program, so all the rentals, trips, workshops, they're kind of run out of here. And that's, as you can imagine, you know, like when I was at Sam Houston, we did maybe $12,000 a year in, in revenue. Our outdoor, yeah. our outdoor program will do like $15,000 in July. Wow. Just through raft rentals or paddle boards or tubes or whatever. So that's housed here. We all, we also oversee the Grizzly Pool, which is kind of on the other side of our basketball arena here. Um, so that's the it's the only indoor kind of competition pool in Missoula. So we host not only a lot of kind of campus-related stuff there, but Missoula Aquatic Club, all the high schools do their competitions and practices there. We have the... Um, the University Golf Course, which is a nine-hole course that's almost 100 years old, um, out on the south part of campus, which is pretty cool. It has its own pro shop and restaurant, so, you know, I'm probably one of the few kind of campus rec programs that oversees a beer and wine license, which is kind of wow. <laughs> Um And then uh, we run the Freshman Wilderness Experience through our outdoor program, and that's a four-day, three-night program where we we send basically groups of 10 undergrads, like incoming college freshmen, out with some uh, under, like some 
trained upperclassmen students, and then they'll go float down the Missouri for, for four days, or they'll backpack in any of the wilderness areas that we have around here. And we usually send about 130 students out every fall before they set foot on campus for orientation. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty so cool. Are you taking part in that as a leader or facilitator or I will, I mean, I'll poke my head in. I'm, I'm very cautious about, especially with the outdoor program again, about yeah. being too present, you know, but sure. that's one of those programs I love. I'll be there for check-in and help with that. Yeah, I bet. Out of the field. I'll occasionally guide a raft trip if they need me. Um, you know, just, it's, it's nice to be able to kind of pick and choose to do stuff like that. You know, where I can, if I have nothing on my schedule and they're running a raft trip and they need a guide, I can be like, yeah, I'll go paddle that with you guys. Um, What's but, the impact been like on students with that program? Oh, just fantastic. I mean, I would keep keep data on retention. And I mean, it's possibly my favorite day of the year. You know, when, when all these kind of incoming freshmen come in, you know, we gather them all around, we put them in the groups, and there's a lot of like staring at shoes and shyness and, you know, not avoiding eye contact. You know, they're 18-year-old kids. And we send them out into the wilderness for four days. And when they come back, they are so altered by the experience. You can't get these kids apart. It's amazing to watch. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are just 100%. You'll see them three months later as a pack going to the going to the dining hall or something like that. I mean, it's just fantastic. And then a lot of those students will eventually come back and be guides as, you know, sophomores, juniors, and seniors because they had such an impactful experience when they were freshmen to help other freshmen have that experience. That's yeah. awesome. You asked, Campus Rec Magazine has delivered. Introducing Campus Rec Base Camp, an exclusive peer collaboration event specifically for aspiring directors. The two-day event will bring together 30 aspiring directors, a team of executive directors, and 10 sponsors for an impactful time of education and networking. The goal is to prepare and train these aspiring directors in specific leadership abilities, management skills, and more to lead campus recreation into the future. Directors can nominate professionals in the industry for a spot in this inaugural event. It's happening July 23rd through the 25th at the Four Seasons Hotel in Baltimore, Maryland. Visit peakmediaevents.com or email heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E, to nominate an aspiring director. So I, I've got a question, or I'm curious, since you've been around, and I'm not trying to say that you're old, but you've been around for a long time. No, you you've can seen, say, you can say, I'm 54, Grady. You can say that I'm old. Well, you're a little older than me, and I feel, I feel you, but you've been around for a while, and you've seen the evolution of, or how college students have changed over the years. And I'm sure you kind of described it um, just there in terms of the interactions at the beginning of the program towards the end. But how is how is today's college student different, especially post-COVID, than what it was when you were when you were facilitating and, and doing the programs in outdoor? Is there anything that stands out for you? You know, um, well, it's vastly different than when we were in college, right? Because sure. You know, I went before there were computers and internet and stuff like that. So we actually had to talk to each other. Um, you know, I, they are so reliant on their phones now, right? Mm -hmm. That's 
they will text somebody that's four feet away instead of like literally like going up and staring at them and having a conversation with them, which I just think is the weirdest thing. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, I'm proud of our program here and, and kind of what we do is we, you know, when the students go into the field for their freshman wilderness experience, their phones get locked up here in the building. So not, that they, not that they would be able to, I mean, there's no cell Use them. It's right. out there anyways, right? Um, but yeah, we, we basically take their phones away and we provide programs where, you know, if they're here playing basketball or if they're swimming in the pool or, you know, climbing at the rock wall, they're not going to be there on their phones. We're giving them something else to do with their hands and their minds that's not related to TikTok or, you know, their Insta feed or whatever that is, right? Um, as far as post-COVID goes, man, people are shy in groups. I'll tell you what. Mm -hmm. Um, more so than I've ever seen. I mean, they're they're very kind of touchy about that. So it's yeah. trying to create the environment, but not force them into the environment. Yeah, good point. Um, I want to go back to your experience as a an associate director and relate it to your experience as, as a director. How did the experience with programs and assessment impact you? initially when you became a director or what ways did that experience have an impact on you as a director well i mean again i mean anytime you can use that data to show your you know i mean i used to you since i interviewed here i've used two words kind of over and over and over again and that's reach and relevance we want to reach as many people as possible because you know recreation you know it's renewal it's and everybody's it's it's different for everybody. So, you know, somebody may love to come in and play basketball at lunch. Somebody may like to do yoga. Somebody may like to just go sit somewhere that in an environment that we've created and read. Uh, it's trying to find all those people and provide them an access to recreate. So basically using assessment, collecting data and finding out what the students want, right? can inform a lot of things. You know, we, we're having a laser tag tournament here on December 1st, where, you know, we're gonna set up this big kind of inflatable thing to have people run around in and shoot lasers at each other and stuff like that for a tournament for a day. Not um, real lasers. No, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know what you mean. Like that. Yeah. I, 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 like, I hate even to say shoot anymore, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. lasering each other. Um, You know, just finding those little niches that, exist with any kind of college community and see if you can reach out to them. So, you know, you want to reach as many as possible and you want to be relevant to the university. You want to show worth. You want to demonstrate that what you are doing here with your programs and taking that student dollar um, is being put to good use. And, uh, you know, I think assessment in particular is, is very good with that. One of the things we don't, you didn't hear me say club sports here. We don't oversee our club sports. That's all done through our student government, which uh, at times I kind of hate and at times I'm thankful. Sure. Yeah. I I think we all get that. Um, are you, do you guys report to student affairs or are you associated with athletics, student affairs? Student affairs. Yeah. My, my, my immediate supervisor is, um, Leslie Webb, who is our vice president for campus life. Yeah. And I have kind of an indirect line to our, um, to our VP of finance and operations. I sit on the finance and operations committee here. We are, you know, like many places, a 100% auxiliary. So we get 
zero dollars from tuition fees or state monies. All of our money is generated locally. So if we don't have it, you know, we can't do it, that kind of thing. Which was hard because our university faced um, kind of an enrollment downturn for, well, I mean, the last, probably starting in 2012 till 2020. And so, I mean, my last NURSA was Tampa before Portland. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I didn't want to go. It's that, you know, when you've got to look at your budgets and justify, you know, where you're going to put your money when money gets tight, travel is usually one of the first things that gets kind of chopped. Uh, so yeah. you're not putting a person or, you know, a program or something like that that's going to benefit students. So yeah, it's good to be back. I went to Portland and then went to Pittsburgh, which is my hometown uh, last yeah. year. We'll be at Phoenix this year too. So good for you. Um, is there anything about your experience as an outdoor professional, not necessarily, you know, in rec, nursa or higher ed, but from the other, the other experiences you had that you're applying now as a director? Oh man. So, yes, <laughs> here's, here's what I would say. I mean, I don't think there is any finer crucible for leadership development than basically overseeing an outdoor program or being in the field without, you know, on an outdoor trip. I mean, if you think about this, you are responsible for the people you are out there with. You are operating in an environment that's not basically where you normally operate, which is out of your rec center or something like that, or you know wherever you are. You're doing it with limited resources, oftentimes with um, an environment that's in constant flux in situations and environments that involve risk of varying degrees. And being able to manage that and navigate that, and at the same time, work in all the group dynamics when you have a group of people that are in the same kind of place and put under hardship and struggle and managing those kind of dynamics, I don't think there is, I learned, I mean, I, I my doctoral work was in leadership, right? Mm -hmm. I can promise you, I learned more guiding outdoor trips about how I am as a leader and things that I use today in my job as a director than I did in any classroom or read in any book. And I think that's, they are the big, you know, I don't know if you knew Tim Moore. He was the director. At, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he's everybody, if you've met Tim Moore, you know Tim Moore, right? Um, you know, we talk about this all the time, like outdoor program folks in, in, in campus recreation are the great untapped resources for, for leadership. Um, just because they are literally being put kind of on the line to do it or not do it every day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I was, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, the traditional path to get to a director usually doesn't go by way of outdoor programming. No, it's facilities or intramurals or, I mean, mm -hmm. we are, we are rife with those kind of, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that is the bulk of the program. Right. But I think, you know, I felt this a lot at various times, you know, at nurses, um, when I was a, an outdoor professional, that, you know, we were kind of like the masters of the dark arts, you know, the directors were like, just don't hurt anybody. 
you know, you go out, you disappear, whatever happens out there happens out there. You come back, you come, you look a little dirty, you smell a little different. And, um, you know, you <laughs> did everything go all right? Nobody got hurt. Okay. We're good. Nobody died. Right. Nobody yeah, died. Right. We're good. You know, and, um, you know, if they only knew kind of the impact that, you know, not only it was having on the people that were on the trips, the students, but on the the professionals that were leading the trips, I think they'd be astonished. I really do. What do you love most about your job? Um, every day it's different. I love the people I work with. Um, you know, this is one of those places um, that collects people. And what I mean by that is, you know, our youngest professional here is is in her probably early mid thirties. You know, my associate for facilities is over sixty, and he's been here for forty years. Um, you know, the folks that that work here love working here, and they are such an easy group to lead. Um, you know, I see myself very much as a servant leader. I just want to give them stuff get them what they need and get the hell out of their way. Um, I would take a bullet for any of them, seriously. That's how much I love working with the crew here. I love the fact that, you know, the location that I'm sitting in right now speaks to my soul, you know, like it's, it's my sense of place. It's something where I can sit here and look at elk out my window on the mountain in the wintertime that are that have been forced down out of the high country. You're going to have to stop. You're killing us. For those of us that are in the just, urban setting. You, hey, look, man, you asked the question, all right? I did. I did. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, I, 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 I just, I love the facility. Um, I love how it was designed. I love our role in campus, on, on campus here. I mean, a lot of these towns in the Rocky Mountain West, people live here because of the recreation opportunities that we have. Mm -hmm. And I am the director of a recreation program in a town that is absolutely batshit crazy about recreation, right? I mean, it is just a fantastic position to be in. Yeah, that is, I mean, that is awesome. I mean, to hear you say that and the passion that you have for it speaks for itself. So I'm, uh, I envy you, but I feel like our industry is lucky to have and you're not the only one, but somebody in the position that you're in and doing the things that you're doing. Well, thanks, man. So I, I want to touch on one more program that you do that I learned about. Tell us about Freshman Float. Well, that's that's in conjunction with a lot of people. But we, um, we provide tubes and uh, kind of infrastructure. <laughs> so at the tail end of orientation, the last Friday of Welcome Week, essentially, we invite all our freshmen and pretty much anybody else that wants to come to float a stretch of the Clark Fork River, which is the river I talked about being, you know, probably 150 yards from where I'm sitting. And so what we'll do is we will inflate, I don't know, several hundred tubes and put them in buses. So the university has its own bus fleet. You'll drive the tubes upriver, leave them at a spot probably four miles up the river, and then We'll have all these freshmen show up. We give them hats and you know, water bottles and all that kind of stuff, all kinds of swag. Put them on a bus, drive them to the tubes, and then they will float back to campus. So if you can picture just a sea of college freshmen in tubes floating down the river towards you, 
like to arriving. Look, it looks like it looks like you can walk across the river from tube to tube to tube. It is fantastic. That is awesome. Yeah, there's no coolers. There's no coolers, there's no coolers floating with them. Is there? Well, we tried for Becca. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's no saying like once when they're on the river what they're sneaking in there. So yeah, that is part of the. I mean, the river culture here in the summertime in particular is pretty. I'm sure. Pretty river based, and there's a lot of coolers on that river. I promise you. So, but yeah. not, not the programs that we do. Yeah, but what a visual, like you said, of just floating down right onto campus. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about it, I mean, you know, over half of our students are from Montana, but mm. the others aren't. And, you know, in particular, those students that are coming from back east, and we have students from probably every state in the country here. You know, you can get, we have some great academic programs. I mean, fantastic. Like our wildlife biology, biology program is probably one of the best in the world. But, I mean, you can get an English degree a lot of places. You can get a math degree a lot of places. But generally, if you're a student and you're coming here from, you know, Iowa or Georgia or Louisiana or wherever. Baltimore. I'm here for this, right? And I'm saying this as in our surroundings, you know, the location of where we are. You know, so that you can go skiing, you can go whitewater rafting, you can go mountain biking, you can go hiking, you can, you know, hunt elk, do whatever you want to do in our surroundings. And that's what a lot of our students do. And so, um, you know, they are really 100% into those kind of things like the freshman float or anything else that we do kind of outside. Um, it's really kind of fun to watch and watch them, watch them get involved with that. Now, here's one of the things that I didn't expect at all. Our intramural numbers suffer because of that, because there is so much other stuff to do. You know, when I was at Sam Houston State, we would have 100 flag football teams mm -hmm. on, a, on three fields from 6 p.m. till midnight. Here, if we get 10, that's a banner year. Really? Um, and it's just because, yeah, we can, we have to compete with all the other things. Your surroundings, yeah. Yeah. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. What's the hardest part of your job? Oh, man. Um, sometimes, and I, this is not a new story, and I'm sure you deal with this too, but the processes of working at a large bureaucratic institution can make you want to stick your head through a wall. Um, <laughs> or worse. You know, yeah. If you're, you know, you're, you're waiting, you know, in the HR queue for some sort of form to get approved, for weeks or something like that. It just makes me crazy. Um, I would say that's, you know, that's probably the thing about my work that that drives me the most crazy. That's pretty much it, right? I mean, the rest of my life is pretty damn good, Brady. I got to tell you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm, it is. I'm sitting here in a sweatshirt. I've got Carhartts on, a baseball cap. I mean, if I have to go to a meeting, you know, I do, but it's a pretty laid back place to work. The whole campus is like that, you know? I mean, it's just a, it's a pretty nice kind of place to come to college and go to work every day. And there are very, very few days that um, I've gotten up and been like, oh, <laughs> most of those were during the pandemic. Um, but so since I, think, I think the question on everybody's mind is when are you going to retire? <laughs> not for a bit yet. Um, that's funny my predecessor here uh keith he was here for 
oh god almost 40 years you know i mean there are some jobs that you know you you, you get and i had heard about this place so i had never been to montana until i interviewed for this job but when i was an undergrad back at edinburgh uh, my grad assistant um, his father was a education professor i believe and he came out and did a visiting professorship out here and my ga scott basically spent some time out here with him and came back and told wild stories of this place, you know, in Missoula, in Western Montana, where there's a river that runs through town, there's mountains all around, you can go mountain biking and skiing. And, you know, for a kid from the South Hills of Pittsburgh, I was like, surely not. You know, where's Nirvana used to go? And, um, you know, I I saw this job come open and I was like, I'm, I'm on that, like, you know, like a dog on steak and, uh, you know, it is not, you know, getting the job here is a something I didn't think I'd ever be qualified for, but it ended up working out. And it is yet to let me down. Um, when you hold something kind of so high in regard over so many years, it, it takes on kind of a mythic quality. And um, Missoula and the University of Montana have yet to in any way let me down. And uh, that's important, right? Because <clears throat> you set very high expectations for stuff like that and to have them met continually is 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 rare so yeah. i'm very thankful for that yeah for yourself and your family i'm sure oh, yeah yeah so you just touched on something i think is interesting you said you you had no you didn't have high expectations that you would get this job yet you described your outdoor experience as being key to your success as a director i do right yeah. So I, let's let's wrap this up. I want to ask you, because I think it fits, what advice do you have for the aspiring or first-year director in terms of success? Or if there's, you know, an aspiring director out there who maybe is on the outdoor track, who's, look, who's saying themselves, well, this is it. I, I can't move up because I'm stuck in outdoor. Or I'm stuck in another non-traditional area that usually lends itself to becoming a director what would you say to them um well i would say a couple things first of all that you probably have a lot of leadership skills that you can apply a lot of different ways that you probably haven't even messed around with yet and secondly i think one of the things that that keeps a lot of outdoor professionals for for kind of moving up in the ranks is a, the perception of them by people that are already in the field, you know, a bunch of dirty pot smoking hippies or something like that, you know? No. Uh, that's okay. I've heard it myself. <laughs> but at the same time, people that get into that kind of work do it because they love it. And you have to have something in your life that serves as a catalyst that makes you want to quit that, give that up. And, you know, for me, obviously, it was my wife and my daughter um, and having kind of some kind of harmonious family life. If you can find that why, you'll be successful. You just need to kind of work yourself through the change, right? Um, you know, what I, I, you mentioned, like, I didn't think I was going to get this job. I didn't think I was going to get this job because... I didn't come from the traditional track of being a facilities or intramural person or something like that, that you see so much of in, in campus recreation. Um, I think when I interviewed here and got this job, it was 
explicitly because I wasn't that. Um, mm, right. You know, it was, I was different than everybody else. And when you have some sort of different kind of offering, it's, um, it allows you to stand out in ways that maybe other people wouldn't and um, have attention paid to you. And, and it allows people, I think, to take chances on you more. And so if you're a young professional, don't be afraid of that. You know, don't be afraid to be a little different. Embrace those differences. Be kind of the wild card out there and um, rely on those leadership experiences that you've had. That's what yeah. I would tell you. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. Well, Steve, I got to tell you, I mean, this, you've painted a picture of probably one of the best rec director <laughs> jobs in the country. But not only that, one of, tell best, anyone. one of the best, any job in the country, no matter what it is, just being there. And I'm going to take you up on that offer to come out and uh, yeah, man, visit I'll take you, you down the river. We'll yeah. You, we'll go raft the river. We'll, we'll drink some beers. It'll be great. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the download today. Certainly appreciate it. Appreciate it. I know our listeners got a lot of valuable information from you. To our listeners, once again, this is the Director Download, and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.